this podcast is going to provide you with a review and summary of some of the key terms associated with mechanical ventilation. So let's start with some of the measurements that can be taken while a patient is spontaneously breathing. These measurements may include the tidal volume, respiratory rate, minute ventilation, vital capacity, and the maximum inspiratory pressure. Measurements that can be taken while a patient is receiving ventilatory support may include the following. The XL tidal volume, the respiratory rate, the inspiratory flow, the minute ventilation, which is then calculated by multiplying the tidal volume by the rate, and then you can also obtain the patient's alveolar ventilation. And this is done so by subtracting tidal volume and from dead space and then multiplying that by the rate. A good rule of thumb to estimate the amount of dead space would be to calculate it through 1 ml per pound of ideal body weight for the dead space. It's also important to note that alveolar ventilation is best increased by increasing the patient's tidal volume. When we're talking about dead space, let's go ahead and define some of these key terms. Mechanical dead space is the amount of common circuit tubing that is in between both the patient and the Y adapter of the ventilator circuit. You can approximate or estimate that there's about 10 mLs for every inch of tubing. So, for an example, if tubing is 5 inches long, then you can estimate there's about 50 mLs of mechanical dead space. Anatomic dead space. So this is the amount of inspired tidal volume that never reaches the alveoli and participates in gas exchange. So to, uh, prom, to estimate this, you can do this by estimating that there's about 1 mL per pound of ideal body weight. So for an example, if someone weighs 150 pounds, you can estimate that the patient will have 150 mLs of dead space. Alveolar dead space. This is the amount of alveolar ventilation that has no perfusion. So a common pathology is associated with this would be a pulmonary embolism. Physiologic dead space. So this is going to be the sum of both the anatomic and alveolar dead space. And this is estimated by the VD-VT ratio. So it's important that we are measuring um, airway pressures. So this is going to help us identify and detect if there's any changes in the patient's lung compliance and their airway resistance. So what are some key formulas and key terms that we need to know? Dynamic compliance. So this is by, uh, you would calculate this by uh, dividing the exhale tidal volume by the peak inspiratory pressure minus the peak. Whereas static compliance is the exhale tidal volume divided by the plateau pressure minus PEEP. So to recall, lung compliance is going to be the ease in which the lung tissue, um, and it could be the, the lungs or the thorax, uh, stretches. The plateau pressure is going to be used uh, to help calculate your static compliance, and this is measured at the end of inspiration while the patient is being forced to hold their volume or their tidal volume for a brief period of time. Generally speaking, this is one and a half to two seconds. So let's talk about increasing airway pressures. So when airway pressures increase, 
This could be an indicator that the lungs are becoming more difficult to ventilate. There are two reasons that airway pressures may increase while a patient is receiving mechanical ventilation. The first that we will talk about could be an increase in airway resistance. So as we know already, airway resistance is the amount of frictional force that must be overcome during breathing. So this could be the endotracheal tube, this could be bronchoconstriction, bronchospasms, or the patient occluding or biting down or just overall clenching down. If the um, peak inspiratory pressure um, increases, but the plateau pressure remains the same, that could be a good indicator that there are some airway resistance issues. So again, common causes, secretions in the airways, bronchospasms, or some sort of occlusion of the ET tube. How do we, suck, or how do we uh, treat this? We may start with suctioning or administer a bronchodilator and of course, assess the patient. The next we'll talk about, and the second um, reason we will check for airway pressures, is to assess for um, a decrease in the pulmonary lung compliance. So this occurs when the peak inspiratory pressure increases and the plateau pressure also increases. So what are some common causes that are associated with this? This could include the patient having atelectasis, pulmonary edema, ARDS, or a pneumonia. How do we treat this? Well, we may want to increase the PEEP, and of course, we're going to assess, identify, and treat that underlying cause. If it's atelectasis, we would increase PEEP. If it's pulmonary edema, we may want to diurese and increase the pressures. If it's pneumonia, we're going to want to treat the pneumonia with some sort of empirical antibiotic and apply additional pressure as needed. The next term that we'll talk about is the mean airway pressure. So this is going to be that approximate um, average pressure that's between the opening of the airways, um, opening of the breath rather, to the next, uh, to the end of the breath. And this is represented that area in between the start of inspiration and the end of inspiration. So what can we do to control the patient's mean airway pressure when they're being mechanically ventilated? Well, some controls that directly affect it include the peak inspiratory pressure, the respiratory rate, the inspiratory time, peak flow, tidal volume, inspiratory hold, and the most influential would be PEEP. So the mean airway pressure, it has the most significant effect on the patient's PaO2, meaning that if you want to increase oxygenation, you need to look at the patient's mean airway pressure and identify ways and strategies to improve the patient's mean airway pressure. The last term and concept that we'll talk about in this podcast will be the work of breathing. So during, work of, uh, during normal breathing, inhalation is active and exhalation is passive. We know this already by normal physiologic standards. So work of breathing can be calculated by multiplying the change in pressure by the change in volume. 
So this can be measured through a manometer or a spirometer. Note that this is not easily obtained when a patient is spontaneously breathing. Worker breathing does increase when a patient has some sort of pulmonary disease or pathology. This is often exacerbated and complicated by respiratory muscle weakness. So when the inspiratory muscles tire, the tidal volume is going to decrease and to compensate, the respiratory rate will then increase. How do we identify that a patient's worker breathing has increased? First and foremost, assessing your patient and looking at their respiratory rate. If they have an increased or elevated spontaneous respiratory rate, that is a great indicator that the patient has an increased worker breathing. While assessing your patient, if you identify that the increased use of accessory muscles, that too is a great indicator that the patient's worker breathing has increased. I hope that this review has provided you with a good uh, summary of some of those key words and concepts covered in this module. Wow. <laughs>